0: minds, Father God, change our hearts, Lord God, where we need them, and help us, Father God, each
1: and every day, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. your Bibles today, we're going to turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, and today I want to talk about advancement of the Gospel. You know, that's one of the things God is wanting out of our lives, is the The idea, the the, the reality that as redeemed people, we would advance the Gospel in this life. And I thank God for those who came before me who were faithful to that call upon their lives or else I wouldn't be in the faith today. We need to advance the Gospel. Amen? That's a part of being a believer. If you or I were to read the biographies of some of the most highly regarded and influential Christians. I believe those biographies would reveal a life of challenge by great difficulties. The difficulties are unknown often to the general public. Maybe a physical condition, an inflicted uh, pain upon their lives. It may be a child with a, an emotional or physical handicap, extreme poverty of that person. Or maybe persecution or their name and character being maligned publicly just because they're a believer. You might wonder why one's Christian influence for Christ seems to increase amid challenges while another's Christian influence seems to grow weak. A Christian's faith-filled response to difficulties is reflected in our attitude and understanding of God. You know, when we go into the fire of affliction and difficulty, what we really are comes through. Where we're really at comes through. Fire, trial, affliction reveals the person that we are. And oftentimes, I don't know about you, but I know for my own self that uh, I've not liked the person I've seen in my own life at times. And I've needed to say, you know, you know what? Lord, forgive me. Change me. Attitudes. Sometimes we need adjustment there, amen? The Apostle Paul here in Philippians is a wonderful example of how a Christian under great, great, great pressure can maintain a strong commitment to the Lord and experience a growing witness at the same time. Through today's message, may we renew our determination to live worthy of Christ, knowing that God will advance the Gospel even through our difficulties. Before we begin, let's pray. Father, I thank You for the opportunity to be here today with Your people, to stand behind this podium to preach Your Word to Your people. Lord, I ask for the the anointing of Your Spirit. I need the anointing of Your Spirit, Lord without which I can do nothing, to communicate to Your people Your Word. Father, speak to each one of our hearts today. Minister to each of us, Holy Spirit. Plant Your Word into our lives. Lord, help us to grasp, to get a hold of, and to retain the truth that is in Your Word, to bear fruit, Lord, that's worthy of You. And Lord, help us all to advance the Gospel through our lives here on this earth. Father, I thank You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. We'll see three things here from the life of the Apostle Paul out of our text today in Philippians chapter 1. Number one, he were to speak boldly of Christ. Be motivated by love and desire to glorify Christ in our lives as believers. What I find about Paul is Often the antithesis of what, what I see in my life and in often the lives of others when under great trial and heaviness and difficulty, under attacks from all sides. Look what Paul says here in Philippians 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That's the title of my, mes- my message today, Advancing the gospel what is Paul speaking of here? He's speaking of the fact that he was apprehended by the authorities and charged with whatever charge they could trump up on him, you know, disturbing the peace or upsetting a religious order, uh, being a subversive to the government. They used all those charges at one time or another to apprehend Paul, but he was thrown in prison for doing the will of God. He was put in prison for serving Jesus, the one who had saved him some years before. He was suffering. Uh, and we think uh, you know prison somehow must be like they are today. You know, three square meals, a nice warm uh, shower and a bed to sleep in. Paul was in a prison in the old days where it was a dirt floor. There were rats. You didn't get treated very well. And here this man of God was doing what was right and found himself in a very bad position. But yet his attitude was one of gratitude. You know, I look at my own life in contrast and when I've gotten in bad situations or what I thought of as being difficult situations was there were nothing like what Paul went through. Often I would complain cry out to God, why is this happening to me? You know, what I, what I began to see in my own life was a great sense of self and not a whole lot of God consciousness. You know, you know we, I was focused on me rather than Him. But Paul, we see as an example to us, was focused on Christ. Hallelujah. You know, think about Jesus Himself when He lived on the earth. He never looked at his own situation. He always looked out for others. He had the focus, that laser-sharp focus on God's will being done in his life. And you know, church, we need to, first of all, know the Lord. And when we do know the Lord, we need to trust Him that He's in control of our lives to the very end. And that He has a desire to bring us to a glorious and expected end. Amen. That's good preaching whether you know it or not. I want you to know, brothers, what happened to me has really served to advance the Gospel. You know, how many you have heard that saying, when the devil starts messing, God starts blessing. You know, here the enemy was trying to take out Paul. Is there any wonder? There was a man preaching the Gospel everywhere he went. He'd have men riled up, crowds would stone him, leave him for dead. He'd pick himself back up off the pavement, so to speak, in our own modern vernacular and go on to the next town. Keep on preaching. Amen. He was serving God. He was planting churches. He was discipling believers. He was doing what God had called him to do. But on every hand, he faced difficulty, opposition, persecution, he had a hard road to hoe. He had hard ground to till, so to speak. But yet Paul was not deterred in his desire to obey God's command to his life. He moved forward anyway. Somebody say amen. And often we face a little opposition in our own lives. And Well, we want to give up our witness for Christ. We want to sit on the sideline. We want to cry about where we're at or the situation we're in. I hear believers all the time. they belly aching, moaning, and groaning. Woe is me. Everything's so bad. My life just ain't where it needs to be. Hey, honey, you're right where God wants you to be whether you know it or not, particularly if you're a believer. And what He's doing in your life is He's trying to get you off the focusing of yourself and onto Him. Because, honey, you ain't all that. Your life really is not that important in the grand scheme of things. Now he loves you and he wants to fit you into his plan, but we have to go his way. It's not our way. I was getting quiet in this uh, Episcopalian church this morning. Now, come on. Verse thirteen. As a result, the result of him being imprisoned, it has become clear throughout the whole pro the palace the guard and everywhere else that I am in chains for Christ. <clears throat> because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the Word of God more courageously and fearlessly. In other words, the more he was persecuted, the more the enemy persecuted the church and tried to stop the advancement of the Gospel, uh, the more the Gospel would spread. Today we have the opportunity to freely preach the Gospel here in the United States. But the Gospel is now spreading We see evil overtaking the land. What does the church need today? Maybe a little dose of uh, persecution. Come on. To get us for real. To get us serious. You know, if we can't pray willingly, maybe we need to be driven to prayer through adversity. Old me. Come on now. They had to pray because their very lives depended upon it. They were marked as followers of Christ, as enemies of the state. But yet, they were true to their calling in God and the Gospel was advanced as a result. You know, when we stop trying to do things our way and we go God's way, His kingdom, it grows. His kingdom advances in this world. And, And... These believers were desperate. They were backed up against the wall, but they knew in whom they had believed. Hallelujah. They knew that they were doing the right thing. Amen. They knew they were living and serving the the true and living God. And they were to do what He had commanded them to do, to go into all the world and preach the Gospel, to advance His agenda in a lost world. That's what you and I are to be doing here today, church, in 2015. Until Jesus comes, we're to advance His kingdom In this world. You and I, if not for us, who would? Go. Each one of us called by his name have a responsibility. Amen. Paul took his pretty serious. And he began to see that even though the enemy was attacking, he didn't focus on that. He he began to see the fact that that the gospel was was going forward in spite of, in spite of the efforts of the enemy. You know that the persecution of Paul emboldened many of the other believers at Philippi. They said, well, if he's willing to go to jail, I'm willing to go to jail. If he's standing out for the Lord who died for him, I'm going to stand up for the Lord. And enough men got there. They said, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand up for Jesus. And people in the world saw that and they thought, these people are under threat of jail, but they're willing, they're not changing their message. They're willing to make a stand for the God they believe in. Yeah. Let's investigate this a little bit more. People begin to turn to the Lord. You know, you ever looked at some of these cults out here? And you wonder, how in the world some of these folks follow these cults? You ever wonder, that? Like, why in the world do they why would they join this group? Why
0: would they join
1: that group? Well, that's but the point I'm trying to make is this. They stand for something. They believe in something. They believe what they believe is right, even if it's wrong. And folks look at the church most of the time and they say those people don't have believe nothing. They just say all kinds of things, but they don't live it. I don't want to join that. I'd rather join these people here. Oh, they don't eat meat, and they don't do this, but they're serious, man. People are looking for something that's real. For what's serious When they saw Paul in the church at Philippi, they saw the real deal. You know, today we'd be like, oh, well, bless God, I'll take authority over the devil and put him under my feet. Uh -uh. But believe God for a new house down here and a couple more vehicles in my garage, and I'm going to... Man, they're not even on the same planet today that they were on. Hello? That old religion here today in this country wouldn't stand the test of uh, any persecution. But these people had the real genuine article. They had the Holy Spirit. Paul said in verse 15, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy or rivalry. In other words, for selfish reasons. They were looking to take His place in the leader. They wanted people to look to them as a leader, so they were preaching, uh, trying to be like Paul. They had the wrong motivation, in other words. Paul wasn't in it to exalt himself. You know, he humbled himself. He, he was a, ser- a true servant of God. Uh, and you know, when we do that, when we humble ourselves and we serve God and His people, God will then exalt you. But some want to exalt themselves, promote themselves, the self-promoter and Paul was saying many are doing it out of that, for that reason some do it in love those who stood up and said we'll stand with you Paul they, they, they love God truly and they were willing to put their lives on the line some, they do it out of goodwill. in other words the others he said they do it uh, and of course they do it because uh, of selfish reasons verse 17 not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am changed but what does it matter, Paul says? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Hallelujah. And you know, I guess that's how we can look at it today. Uh, no matter the fact that uh, some are preaching the true gospel, some are, are doing it for wrong motivations, but uh, you know, I've met people who'd come to Christ sitting in, the, in crusades of men who were teaching the, the craziest doctrine you'd ever heard. Because God's word will not return void. You know, God will still save, and people are lost. They they look for they look for redemption. Sometimes even God can use a jackass to get a hold them. Hello? I wonder if some of these men have any spiritual discernment whatsoever. But God wants to save. He wants to advance his agenda in mankind. Because man need, you know, without God, we are lost. Without Christ, we have no hope. And that's the message of the church. That's the message of the believer that we carry. Christ in us, he's the hope of glory. Paul verse 19 he says, I know that through your prayers, that is the church of Philippi, and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether it be by life or death. So Paul was, was thanking the Lord that, that they were praying for him and he coveted those prayers. Paul was was grateful for the fact that he had the supply of the Spirit of God in his life. You know, I mean, I look at his circumstances, his situation, and and, and like I say, many people today, uh, when we face adversity as Christians, we cry and moan about our circumstance. We don't understand why God doesn't do this for us. Why doesn't He act on my behalf? Why doesn't He deliver me? Why does He allow me to be in this bad spot? How come everybody else gets to be outside and roaming free? Paul could have been that way. How come everybody else, they're not serving God as as well as I am. How come they're out running free and I'm here in prison on charges that I didn't even commit? Paul did not take that road or that tack. Come on now. Paul said, I'm here because number one, why didn't he take that road? I'm going to tell you why. And this is the reason you shouldn't take that road either. Help me preach it. Come on. God is sovereign. God is in control of your life. Oh, now nah, you can't be. Because all these bad things keep happening. My car just blew up again. Well, I don't even have a car. Or I lost my car, I lost my house, I lost everything. God is still in control of your life. He is sovereign. Why did He do that to me? He didn't do that to you. He did allow you to go through it. Maybe you need to learn something. I don't want to hear that. No, I know you don't want to hear that. God is sovereign. Paul didn't have to go through that. He had had been well prepared by the Holy Spirit by the time he got to Philippi and got in jail. He'd been in and out of jail a few times at this point, and he would go back again. He knew he was in the will of God no matter what was happening in his life. He didn't choose to focus on the negative, but rather on Christ. Church, we need as believers... No matter where we're at or what we're in, we need to focus on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't interfere with Him in your life. Don't try to sidetrack Him. Don't try to complain to Him. Let Him work in your life. He's the author and finisher. You are the novel and He's written the pages of your life. And He's writing them as you walk it out. Now, if you want him to put a chapter in there that's pretty ugly and bad, just keep doing what you're doing. But if you don't, focus on him and follow him because he knows where he wants you to go in your life. He knows where, he, he knows the end he wants you to. And what is the measure in the stature of Christ? But the end of a believer's life. Come on now. We should be growing up into him who is the head, even Christ. Remember last week's message? Come on. Here Paul was focused like a laser on Jesus. The Lord Himself, when He went to the cross, He wasn't focused on the people hitting Him and beating Him and spitting on Him and plucking out His beard. He wasn't focused on the crowd saying crucify Him. No, He was focused on you. He looked beyond that. He said, I'm going to see them one day because I endure this cross. I'm going to see them. They're going to be with me. I'm going to choose to look beyond this indignity. I see Alice. I see Ronald. I see Dave. That's what I'm going to focus on. Those that I'm redeeming. See, when you begin to look at your situation in life, don't look at your situation. Why? It changes. Look at what doesn't change. The things that are seen are temporal. That includes everything you see. But the things that are not seen, they're eternal. Focus on that. Somebody say amen. We should be motivated by the love of God. Why? He saved us when we were yet seven He died for us. And secondly, we ought to have a desire to glorify Christ. And you can't glorify Him when you complain. Why? We're an open book. How many sinners pick this book up and start reading it? Do you think? Man, I can't even get church folk to come on. Pick it up and read. Come on. Can't say amen. But they'll read you. Yes. They'll look right at you and read your life. She calls herself a Christian. You know what she just said. He calls himself a Christian. Look how he treats his... You see? We should seek to glorify. That's what Paul was endeavoring to do at Philippi. He wanted to make his life one that counted and glorified God. Secondly, we're to have confidence. Confidence in Christ. And Paul knew this. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why God allowed him to get in the situation because you know the Scripture says He will not allow us to be tested above that which we're able, but will always make a way of escape. Come on. He won't put you in something you can't handle. Ah, but you don't know how bad it is, preacher. You don't know what's going on in my life. It don't matter, God. If God lets you get in, He'll find a way for you to come out. Come on. You might as well learn the lesson He wants you to learn while you're in it. So you don't have to keep going back through it over and over again. Some folks look at their life and say, man, I've been dealing with this for 15 years. Well, why are you doing it that long, honey? Come on. Pull out. Pull out. You know why people stay in it for so long? They're so hard and stiff-necked and stubborn. Come on. God's been hammering on them, and they just won't break down. So full of self-importance and self-intelligence and self-worth. You know, when we realize, hey, man, I'm nothing. Lord have your way that's when He can step in and move come on now as long as we got it figured out for Him we got it all messed up we're going to stay right where we're at somebody said well I've been in this thing for a long time learn your lesson you'll get out of it pretty quick somebody say amen think God likes to have you in a situation where you're just crying all the time no but why does He have you there for your own good for your own good. Why did God have Paul in prison? Because it was for the good of the church. They needed it. And Paul, being a a mature man of God, realized that. He said, I need to be here for you. I don't need to be here for me. I've already learned a lesson, but you've got to learn some things. So I'm I'm willing to let God put me through the rigor so you can learn some things. Somebody say amen. In verse uh, 21, Paul says this, for for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. What a tremendous modus operandi. For me to live is Christ. In other words, if I'm living, Christ will manifest Himself through my life because I've yielded to Him to you. When you see me, you see Jesus. That's how it should be for all believers. Come on. For me to live is Christ. As long as I'm here, Christ as an extension of His body is here also with you. And if I die and go on to be with the Lord, well, I just gain eternity. I'm with my Master and my Lord. I, 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 for me to live is Christ. Now, see, for a lot of believers, to live is just you. <laughs> they don't see Christ; they just see a crazy. What the? What did they?
0: Huh?
1: <laughs> what kind of knucklehead? I'm believing like I don't. That's what being a church folk is. I don't want nothing to do with that. Huh? That's a shame, isn't it? Come on. Maybe we need a little bit more of that persecution. Get us back in line. Come on. Paul says, if I go on living in the body that is in this life, in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. He knew he had a work to do. He knew that they were his workmanship. He said, if I keep on living, I got a lot of work to do. I got plenty of fruit ahead of me. I'm going to get a big crown working as long as I keep living and I keep suffering and I keep enduring. He said, man, I'm just gaining all this heavenly glory. I'm just serving God. I'm just, I, I, matter of fact, I, I, I don't mind doing what I'm doing. Glory to God. Because he had the right perspective. Some people are like, well, people don't realize my gifts and talents here, and they, they don't realize that I could be. It's all about you. It's not. It's all about Him. Paul understood that. God wants to use you. When you get you out of the way and He can use you, then you can accrue some fruit and some blessing and some reward in heaven. Come on now. That's what He wants. And He can advance the Gospel through a yielded life just like He did through Paul. Paul said, I'm torn between these two things. He said, I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. He said, it's better that I just go ahead and go on and be with Jesus. I imagine it would get tiring to be locked up. Can you imagine being stoned, being beat, being whipped? Over and over again. I mean, to the point where you can say, look, let me take my shirt off and show you. I in my body, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been beaten, I've been whipped many times. And hey, Paul was no young man here. He said, you know, I imagine in his natural mind, he could say, you know what? I'd just soon go on and be with Jesus. You know, but Lord, what is Your will? Paul, I need you to hang on for just a little while longer. I've still got some work for you to do. Now, you know, I could imagine Paul in these jail cell writing these letters that we call the Scripture today. And, and I know the man was beyond... My intelligence by far. But I know that I know that I know Paul in writing these letters one after another, year after year, he knew the Holy Spirit was guiding that that thought and heart process, that pen in His hand. He knew. This is bigger. This is something bigger than our writing. Not just the Philippian small church there. No, no, no. This is saying, you know, yeah, even though he knew, uh, he couldn't have seen the scope 2,000 years ago of what we see now. His writings are, have been read billions and billions of times over. They're still being read. To, I'm preaching a sermon from them today. A man encouraging some people that's still encouraging people. His words encourage me as a believer in 2015. Paul set the he was one of the foundational pieces in the Church of Jesus Christ. And, and he was allowing himself literally to go through hell on earth. And uh and he was willing, he was willing, he was willing. you. can't get some people on church just to get up and go to church all of a sudden. Uh, you know I got I got a thing to go to tomorrow I don't think I'm coming this week uh-uh. we all have things I'm not saying things don't come up that's not what I mean but you know what I'm saying there's a lot of people that just just don't put any priority. Paul put all his priority in there. Here was a man think about it for a minute. Outside of the people who knew him, he was hated. Can you imagine living your life as an adult and you pretty much hated (laughs) him? Thought of as a subversive, as an enemy. He loved the Israelites, but they hated him. Think he'll be rewarded one day by God? Think his enemies will look and say, Wow, what we were wrong. Paul was a productive believer because of his confidence in Christ, and God was able to make this man influential, so that the advancement of the gospel would go forward in his day and be and be You know, the Lord wants to do that in your life and mine as well. He wants to use us where we are. He wants to advance His agenda through our lives as long as we're willing. To do that. In verse 20, Paul says this He said, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed and will have sufficient courage so that, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. His main focus, his main goal, was to lift up Jesus. Whether he was alive or dead, he only wanted to serve the one who had redeemed him. He knew that was the most important thing in life. And I think really that's what we lose focus of in our own lives in today's world. We're too self-focused rather than God focused. <coughs> and that attitude not only has always been in the world, but is in the church today, very prevalent. What can you do for me? What will this do what will this church do for me? What will this preacher do for me? What will not what can I do for God? And we, we take it all the way to God. What's God going to do for me? If I live for God, ain't He going to do something good for me? Can I have a new car? Can I have a new house? Well, unsaved people have a new car. Is that really what your focus is on? You're, you're way off. You're way off if it is. Come on. Put the focus on God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Amen. We got it backwards. We seek all the things, then we'll throw God in as an afterthought. Doesn't work like that. He's not preaching now. He's meddling. Come on now. Help me. Y'all silent. Somebody say amen. Help me preach up in this place today. Mm. We need to have confidence in Christ. Amen. Paul said, I need to remain in the body. Verse 24. It's necessary for you that I hang around. Most of us be ready to go on. Lord, take me. (laughs) Take me! How would you like to be laying on a little hard floor, have chains around, shackles on you, eating whatever slop they stuck in the door? Come on now. Who knows what it was? I'd be,
0: take me! (laughs) Take me, Lord!
1: He said, No, it's necessary that I'm here for you. His mind, his focus was on Christ, but it was on the church, the body. He said, I have a mission to accomplish. Verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and for your joy in the faith. Notice their progress, their joy in the faith. He he didn't say anything about his own, did he? No joy in prison. No joy being an enemy. No joy living the lifestyle that he was living. But yet he his joy, like Jesus said, I have meat that you know nothing of. Paul had something from the Lord that they didn't know about. But he, he, he knew it was necessary to remain with them to establish them in Christ so that after he did leave, that the work that he had put forth would remain. Somebody say amen. Paul says, so through my being with you, again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. That was his desire for the church, that his life would be a blessing to the people of God and that they would have a full Christian experience with God. That the enemy would not prevail, but rather that things would go forward. Amen? Thirdly and lastly, we're to live worthy of Christ. We need to stand firm in the faith. Why do we need to stand firm in the faith? Because we'll be tempted not to. Because adversity comes. How many know that? You cannot live a Christian life without adversity, without difficulty. And the biggest difficulty, my friend, is not the devil, it's ourselves. It's ourselves. Sometimes we get in trouble because we think wrong. You say, well, how do you know you think wrong? Well, measure what you think against what He says in His Word. And, and, and if there's a conflict there, correct yourself. Is that rocket science, church? Come on. Well, you know, I'm just going to go down for the count. God don't love me. God's against me. He's not going to help me. Is that what this book says? What do you do when you feel it? Have you ever felt that way? Come on, be honest with me. Have you ever felt that way? You better believe you have. I know I have. (laughs) You say, what do you do? I go to the Word. He said, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. I love you. For God so loved the world, except Jerry Carrick, that He gave His only begotten Son. Is that what the Scripture says? No. He'll take care of His own. But He does it His way, not our way. Amen? We need to stand firm in faith and trust God. How can you trust God, church? You get to know Him, right? You get to know Him. See, if I just met Raj, if I just met Raj, and he said something to me, I'll do this or that. I don't know if I can trust him because I just I just met him, right? He wouldn't know if he could trust me. But you get to know him, you can trust him based on their character, their word. You get to know Christ, and therefore you can trust him with your life. When I first met the Lord. I didn't know Him. I had just met Him. And boy, was that a glorious meeting for me. I felt the burden lift. I felt glory. I felt joy. I felt peace in my heart and life. But as I lived on, difficult things happened. I got in bad situations. And I'm like, oh, what's going on? I thought I was a Christian. but so things are supposed to go well now. Why am I in this difficulty? Well, First thing I did was slip back and did well God, why'd you do this to me? I remember I got, I'll tell you one, you want to hear how ridiculous it was now. I was just a kid, but like I got saved. I'm gonna show you a ridiculous example from my own life, not anyone else's. I would go to work in Bethesda, which was a good hour ride from where I lived at the time. Had a nice, nice job, and I whatever the reason why, i would always get there like five of or five after the time I was supposed to start. And it was because I had And no one had said anything to me about it, but it was bothering me that I was getting there late. But not enough. It wasn't bothering me enough. And I had just become a believer, you know, a couple months earlier. And I would be, because this is in the metropolitan area, Bethesda, Maryland, where it was, on Wisconsin Avenue. There was not a lot of parking. I mean, over in the metropolitan area, it's hard to find them. And I would get there, and it would be like, it's just 10 minutes up. It will take me five minutes to get from the parking lot up into the office. I'd go through security, and screening, and all that. And I'd be, oh, man, I'd be running, you know. Now it'd take me five minutes just to get out of the car Somebody said to help me,
0: Lord!"
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs>
1: but I'd get out, and out. But on my way down, I'd, see I'd be time and I'd be like, oh, dear Jesus, Lord... Lord, help me find a parking space. And, I, and there'd be one. I thank you, Jesus. And I'd run up and I'd be there just in time. And this went on some time. Then all of a sudden I'd be, Lord, I need a park. There was no parking space. And I'd be late. And it again, I'd be late. <laughs> and I'd be late. God, why don't you answer my prayer? I asked you for a parking place and you didn't give me one. I remember I was just a teenager. I was just a kid. I get mad at God. How come you didn't give me no parking place? I'm late now, God because you didn't give me a parking place. It's your fault. You won't be in trouble. That's what it is. I prayed. I asked you for one. Finally God said to me, He said clear as well. He said, Son, why don't you leave a little earlier for won't get there on time? Amen. That was a revelation. That was a revelation. N- not me. Not me, Lord. Yeah. Why don't you be more responsible? And don't ask me for ridiculous things like that. Why don't you pray for somebody that you work with to get saved? Do you see what I'm saying? How far away was I from the apostle Paul here today? A long, long way. But can you look at your own life and see little instances like that? Where you've like prayed for things and you like you look back now, you're like, did I really pray that way? Yeah. Why did why did I, Jerry Carrick, pray that way in nineteen seventy-eight? Because that's where I was. That was where I was spiritually. Now, what did God do to get me to where I am today? And I'm a long way from Paul still, <laughs> let alone Jesus. He put me through some trial. To hurt me, to harm me, to teach me how to learn, how to trust, how to be more responsible. I just had to wake up a little bit earlier. Hello? (laughs) Leave about a a half hour earlier and get there on time in case there wasn't a parking space. That's just called being responsible. Now God, as a loving Father, He taught me. I learned. But I look back now and I'm like, boy, I'm glad I wouldn't wouldn't pray like that now. I'd be embarrassed to pray like that. (laughs) He slapped me. Well, He didn't slap me. He just let me get mad. He let me get jacked up and out of shape. Until I changed my behavior, He didn't change His. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Look at verse 27 as we close. We're to live worthy of Christ. Why? We're an open Bible. We're, we're the ones the unbelievers are looking at. We're here to advance the Gospel, not put a roadblock in front of people coming to Christ. Amen? Paul says this, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Gospel of Christ. You think it's important how we live as believers? Well, amen. Certainly it is. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the Gospel. Paul was looking at the Philippian church. He said, I want you to be in unity, be mature, standing together in the faith, contending for that faith. What does that mean, you think? Pastor Jerry preaches, teaches in a way I would call apologetic. That's a Greek word. Uh, I have an apologetic style. You will hear me give a defense for why I believe what I believe. You will hear me explain, this is why I believe this according to the Bible. This is why I teach this according to the Bible. This is my defense of what I believe. That's how I preach. That's how I teach. That's how they did Why? Because the Gospel, and that means simply the Hebrew word for good news, it's the entirety of the Bible, the good news toward us, is always under assault. So we always maintain this is what the Word says. This is the foundation of Christianity. This is why I believe and teach what I believe because I'm standing on the faith that was once delivered to me. I'm not going to alter it. I'm not going to change it. I'm going to stand on the ground that they laid before me. To deviate is to get off track. You hear what I'm saying? So, and we need to do that today. We wouldn't have so many denominations. We wouldn't have so many cults in the world today. Hello? If we didn't deviate. Paul said you stand together as one. As one man. Notice that, one man. When he looks down at a congregation, does he see a bunch of people doing their own thing? Or does he see one part of the body of Christ standing all together as one? That's the desire that Paul had, that God has for all of us. Amen. In all ages of his church, that we stand together. That we walk worthy of Christ. That we contend for the faith. I have to put up a, a fight, an advancement of the faith, because it's always under attack. This is why I believe what I believe. This is why I preach what I preach. Today, the doctrine of the rapture is under attack in much of the churches today. That's why I always stand on the Word of God and I preach the rapture. The preacher of rapture. Why? It's under assault. To do nothing is to give assent. i see people in my church falling out and going the wrong way if I didn't make a stand. I have to contend. To contend means to put up a fight. I consider when you hear a preacher in a pulpit, he's always in a fight. You're fighting the powers of darkness. You're fighting spiritual ignorance and blindness. But you're fighting. You're fighting what? To get the truth across. To get the truth out so that it's the truth that helps and sets people free. Somebody say amen. It's the truth. It's not, it's not man or religion. And I have to contend for that because it's always under assault. Why is it under assault? It sets people free and Satan wants to keep men bound. Religion wants to keep men bound. Jesus wants to set men free. He said, "Don't be frightened in any way by those who oppose you." So the church will be opposed all the way to the end. There's opposite. None of this preaches in American churches. To come on now, you know it does. They're not opposing anything in these churches today because they're not preaching much of nothing. Yes, amen. You're spoon-feeding people whipped cream with no uh, substance. You're giving them what they if the A baby cried out for chocolate milk every day and that's all you gave it. That baby died of malnutrition. How many know they got to have some green beans and some peas and some carrots and some that sounds good, man. bacon and eggs? But you just can't give them what they want. You have to give them what they need. That might upset some folks, so be it. If they get upset, they need to be upset. If folks get mad at me for preaching the truth, man, just let them get mad. I ain't going to worry about it. It won't be the first time. Hello? We need to hear what we need to hear because it's good for us. He said, don't be afraid of anybody who opposes you. You know what? Somebody's going to oppose you, whether it's on your job, wherever you're at, they're going to oppose you. For living for God, for living for Christ. You're going to walk in the hospital to witness for the Lord, somebody's going to oppose you at some point in time. God would say, Don't be afraid. Don't worry about it. Don't take it personal. If they're opposing you, they're really opposing me. That's what he would say. He said, You just serve me. Do what's right. Don't be frightened. This is a sign to them when we stand courageously. Look at what Paul said, that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved. And that by God. If we get to the point in America where the government starts coming after Christian leaders, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And the fact that that, that men of God will not bow, just like Paul, they won't buckle. Paul eventually went to his execution. They They took his head off. He wouldn't stop doing what God called him to do. By his grace and the supply of his spirit, I'm not going to stop doing what God's called me to do. And I would take that scripture seriously. Don't be afraid. Remember what Jesus said? Fear not those who kill able to kill the body, but rather fear him who can take both body and soul and cast it into hell. In other words, fear God. Don't fear the devil. Don't fear the man. Fear God. Fear God. But when you stand in courage, that's a, a sign <coughs> that they're on the wrong side. They're headed for destruction. You're going to be saved. You're going to be delivered. What is death to a believer? Graduation. You step right into Glory. We had 300 people 300 people killed in the Middle East the day before yesterday simply because they were Christians. We've seen several in the preceding weeks or a few months beheaded because of their faith. All they could do is say, Lord, I commend myself into Your hands. Those men who did that deed, fear ought to be upon them. Because there's an everlasting hellfire waiting them. Not 70 virgins. Hellfire. God is a vengeance. He's coming back with vengeance and flaming fire against them who do not obey the gospel. There's nothing that can go on in the life of a believer that God's not aware of, that He doesn't know about. And God will take the greatest adversity that we face and use it to advance His agenda, His Gospel in this world. The good news is He's saving people. And He wants to use you. And He wants to use me. He wants to use each of us. You know, each believer in Christ is an important contributor to the advancement of the Gospel. We all have different talents, gifts. We have different people that we can reach. Different people come across each of our lives. And God wants to use us to reach them. He's looking for individuals who will live a life worthy of the Gospel so that your words carry weight. People can trust. He's looking for people who will live for God even in difficulties. Amen? A faith-filled response on your behalf to difficulty will cause the message of the Gospel to spread and advance. Other believers will be encouraged to stand strong in their faith when they see you standing strong. Just like Paul. Amen. A faith-filled response to difficulties, church will always advance the Gospel. Let's stand this morning